Uh, this is a very special episode of the Tech Marketing Podcast. I'm very pleased to be joined uh, by Seb, who is our managing director, managing director now of the channel solutions side of Together. So we're we're getting really excited now, Seb, aren't we? As we come into 2023, and we've got a whole raft of in-person events. In fact, we've got more events this this year than we had last year, and probably some in some new places as well. And so we're really excited today to be talking about what we're going to be talking to to our attendees at, aren't we? We are indeed. Hello, John, and thank you for having me back. Before we get into it, we should probably tell our listeners like what the channel meetup is. It's a one-day event which is designed for channel professionals who are looking for a forum to talk about the challenges that they face today with their peers. And it's a good opportunity in a nice informal setting to learn from your peers in other businesses who are going through many of the same kind of challenges and changes and disruptions that you are. Um, And it's a chance to to listen, to learn. Um, What we always hope is that people who join will take at least one thing away with them from the day and that can be something that they're going to try something they heard or they saw that they thought that's a really good idea Um, or it might be validation to go actually we're doing much better than we think we are because when we're all in our own bubble trying to push change which most of our, our kind of jobs now are really focused around that it's it's hard to know are we doing a good job or not so it's a great day it's awesome it's free for a start so the opportunity cost of going to your colleagues is just to say i will be in another location for a day you get to listen to some great analysts some really good speakers Um, there'll be uh, a good panel discussion and then through the day there's also table discussions to be heard and to listen yeah if you're super passionate about the channel you should be there really there's only a handful of these events throughout the world, I would say. Um, you know, we're probably one of about four four or five of these events. And they're getting, people are, you know, they're cropping up in new places as well. So, you know, the, the channel is going to become more important and uh, you'll, you'll definitely hear that passion come across on today's podcast. But the channel meetup's a great chance to network, a great chance to, to, to understand more. And last year, we ran uh, one in the UK, which we, we always do for Europe, and uh, one in California, this year, in 2023, we're actually running three, aren't we, Seb? So we're running UK, we which is on the 23rd of March. Um, so if you haven't signed up to that yet, um, really sign up soon because I think we're going to run out of spaces uh, very, very shortly. Um, we've got one in Boston, I believe, in June. And then we have, so if you're in the East Coast, definitely sign up to that one. And then we have a California one in September. So uh, as usual, so super uh, packed lineup, actually, of events this year. Um, so yeah. and don't worry, we're going to repeat all those dates again, probably at the end. Uh, so you're going to get sick of hearing them, but we are, that's because we're super excited to, to, to be, have them and be talking about them. Yeah, no, indeed. And I think doing Boston this year, the East coast, um, it's fantastic and a really great vindication that we had so many colleagues, um, in the channel who either have attended in the East coast on the West coast and said, oh, I've got colleagues who would love this, but they're, they're all East. Um, and we've got lots of our clients who would love to go and it's just never been a good location. So yeah, definitely excited to add a second US event this year. And, um, yeah, that's going to be great. So the UK event this year is, is a bit earlier than normal. So it's, it's always been in June this year, it's March 23rd. Um, and so, yeah, certainly if you're based in the UK or, or nearby, um, then this is going to be a really great day to go to. And, and this year, the theme for the channel meetup is going to be partner program performance. 
So most of our conversations, most of our dialogue are going to be revolving around that kind of central central pillar, which is it's really fundamentally important, I think, to everybody who attends. Their role in their business organization almost always is going to be in some way trying to drive an improvement in in the performance of of their channel, their their indirect sales teams and solutions teams and, and colleagues in other businesses. Um, which often gets rounded up to, is our partner program performing well or not? And what were some, I mean, I, you know, we, we, every year we have to come up with new topics for the, for the channel meetup. And I think there were some key themes from last year that kind of drove this um, thread into partner performance. Like Seb, what stood out from you last year at the channel meetup that you're excited to be talking about with regards to partner performance this year? Well, I definitely think a big, you know, one of the one of the great parts of the day at Channel Meetup will be kind of the opening keynote, which often will come from an analyst, whether it's IDC or Forrester or Gartner. And I think that always sets the tone really well for the day. Last year's were really interesting. There were two elements. One was about kind of acknowledging the, the evolution of the channel it, with a term we've used for a number of years. I remember being at Adele, um, event in 2019 and we were talking about the ecosystem and, and how the channel is is very much changing driven by the nature of IT today which is much more complex than it was 15 20 years ago um, and requires many more specialities so many more partners collaborating suddenly you've got this ecosystem of businesses surrounding each customer providing the total solution that they need Stuart did a great presentation just showing the changing nature of the channel. So one of those interesting stats or interesting views was the number one um, sector for IT resellers in terms of their revenue. The number one sector was the IT sector. So partners are now getting more revenue coming through other IT businesses than they are through the different sectors that the solution is going to be used in. I want to understand, wait, I want to understand that a bit more. It was Because, I mean, that was, uh, I remember that stat being announced on stage and actually, I don't think it, I don't think it sunk in then. I just want to make sure I understand this. Are you saying that most partners are now making more money off other partners than they're making off the customers that they're selling to? Is that essentially what we're saying? So when we say that, we mean the revenue. Exactly that. So it might have been in the past that sectors that were like public sector might have been the number one revenue generator for a whole swathe of IT businesses. It could have, you know, it could be different, different actual commercial business sectors, which are all buying IT. So every, every sector, every, whether it's retail, um, whether it's energy and utilities, whether it's telecommunications, it's like everybody needs IT. So traditionally, you'd look at an IT business and you'd see a range of different um, business sectors who who form their customer base. But now what's changed over the last few years is gradually more and more and more the number one sector and growing sector is, is the IT sector itself. So that was an interesting thing because, again, you kind of go, oh, that's actual real data. It's not kind of like some conceptual idea around around different elements so the so the ecosystem and kind of the effect it's having within the partner community was really interesting and as a room of vendors it's kind of going okay you know their partners are beginning to to revolve around each other just as much as they are around vendors and given the traditional 
partner program is very much vendor has a program, partners are joining it. Um, so that was really interesting and kind of set the tone uh, really well in the June event. And then in the US event, Forrester took us through kind of the changes that were happening in the, the B2B buying journey, um, the number of parties participating in a decision, how much that had grown, the number of touch points that had grown. And and, um, and again, that was a really interesting insight to start the day. Yeah, that had one of the points that, that has stood out for me. I don't think it was actually Forrester that said this. I think it might be the... Um, one of the speakers after it, but uh, that has the that had the best definition of ecosystem that I've ever heard, which is just rewarding or recognizing, sorry, non-transacting partners, um, because we are so used. You know, ecosystem is just such a nebulous term, and I've said I've, we've discussed this before in the podcast. Like, you know, when you actually dive into it, it doesn't really mean that much different from a from you know from some of the other terms we're used to using the channel for the last decade. Um, you hear a lot about orchestration and so on, but actually this concept that there's non-transactional partners that now need to be part of a conversation, part of a solution, that's Absolutely. that's what makes it super interesting. Not saying that's the only thing to do with an ecosystem. No, but, but it does. Really and in a way, it gets to the point, it gets to the nub of what does it mean? And, you know, quite often when we look at a lot of the way the channel sets itself up in terms of partner programs and vendors looking to grow their partner network because every new partner is a potential new opportunity to reach new customers and the focus of those programs was all about driving the point of sale and that's the moment where all of the value is exchanged because you partner have made that sale and therefore money now moves and service moves and all of our input into you as a business to help you get better at selling and everything else that's all been realized but when we talk about the non-transacting partners, it's recognizing that in that B2B journey, there's a whole lot of activity happening before the point of sale. And that activity is going to govern what happens at the point of sale. Who is influencing the customer and actually beginning to bring the solution, which will then drive the technology that will come into it. And that's the bit for me around the, the ecosystem is there's multiple companies now participating Somebody is leading, Some and other businesses will be being pulled in, probably by that leading business. And there will be a big influence around what happens with the customer. So I think then you don't just focus on the before sale, but you also begin to focus on the after sale. And I think that's the other part of the ecosystem is these businesses are now servicing that customer it's that focus on the customer life cycle isn't it Seb? yes that's exactly the point is it's the full customer life cycle and, and it's an ecosystem that services that so it's not that the point of sale is not massively important but the challenge for vendors is, is how to make sure that at that point of sale at that moment they are there you know they're a consideration they're the right technology to be part of that solution that that ecosystem of partners bring. I think one of the most exciting shifts that I'm seeing in the channel at the moment, actually, and you know, one of our uh, fellow channel podcasts, I'll, you know, I'll give them a, a shout out, the guys over at Jared over at um, uh, Partner Up, um, and the partner stack guys have just been talking about this with affiliate marketing, um, is this role of, the increasing role of what, you know, you could call it affiliate in the channel space, you know, in B2B, we're not talking about influencer a lot, but essentially now that the B2B buyer is educating themselves a lot more, 
you know, yeah. we are, and now we're that, you know, was it 42% would prefer not to talk to sales. We're now seeing a rise of, of influencer activity in B2B. Um, and I think this is probably one of the most exciting changes that, that I think we're going to go through in the next few years, which is a lot of those journeys are going to go digital. So partners are going to finally need to make their buyer journey digital. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly, we're going to see a rise of, you know, in, influencers and affiliates and, and people that are creating co- you know, experts in certain fields. You know, you mentioned you know, public sector. Um, so, you, you know, experts in public sector that may just be writing articles and, and making and considerations um, for businesses when they're looking at buying something. So, you know, those kinds of non-transacting partners as influencers, if you will, will start to uh, become more and more important as buyers educate themselves um self-educate themselves and and go through a lot of the journey even before speaking to a partner so that's like if there is any opportunity out there and you're i think you know i think some of our clients are already starting to recognize this as well aren't they um it is you know understand how research might happen before a particular sale and and, you you do that do that work to to encourage partners to create that content um, because i think it's going to become incredibly valuable in in the years to come yeah it is Yes, I t- totally agree. And uh, and it's fascinating. And I think, you know, the reason I love the channel, what I've always enjoyed in 10 years now or 10 plus years of working with technology companies to help them with their channel programs and their engagement and um, driving of kind of partner activities is that it's continuously changing. It's always being disrupted and that never, never stops. And in a way, it's what makes it um, an exciting place to be because it's very, very rare that any of us ever sit there and go, well, it's it's the same as it's been for the last two years. It never is. And and definitely, it's driven a lot by the way customers are, are, are buying IT, what that IT needs to be. And that drives so much change. And to your point, it means everybody has to begin to adapt and um, and, and really kind of work out how are they going to prosper? Because there's opportunities. You know, and that's the, that's going to be the key, I think, for lots of our clients, for our businesses and ourselves. I mean, you know, I look at the way in which we are providing our services to our clients. Um, and it's why I also find this fascinating because we're living this as well. We're also a business that provides technology. Um, and when we see the buyer journey changing and the way in which our clients purchase our services and how we work with other businesses, how you know, we we can see it happening around us as well, which is why it's so interesting. But so ecosystem is definitely a big, um, was a big kind of part of the conversation last year and around the buyer journey. So that's something that we want to explore again this year um, for several reasons. You know, as much as anything, the CMU for us is also a chance to learn, to, to get a, a good understanding of what other businesses are doing and succeeding with, because our clients, you know, they're, they're, many of them are, are businesses that are, are, you know, also adapting. And so I think the more we learn, the more we're able to support and help. So I think, I think there's one other thing that happened last year, though, just before we get onto this year that I want to raise, which is, mm. you know, I hate, I hate announcing these because they just sound so self-serving. But we won an, we won an award for some of this, some of the uh, activities we, we performed in the channel, didn't we? So we won the we did. award for a partner loyalty program and so we did but you know molding this this 
shift to performance from some of the discussions we've had and, and where we're looking at focusing these events uh, for the next year with the loyalty program we've we've come up with a with a new title for the for the table topics for 2023 haven't we which is you know, building loyalty i'll say that again building loyalty across partner ecosystems to drive performance um which it sounds pretty incredible what does that really mean seb <laughs> like what well, what is what let's break this down like how can you build loyalty across a partner ecosystem to drive performance there's a there's a lot going well, on there. there there is i mean the, the first thing is is what do we mean by by building loyalty and i think what we've learned in the last couple of years designing reward programs with our clients um all slightly different in different ways but at, at the heart of them it's been um how do we how do we build kind of uh, alongside what is a partner program that's designed to motivate a business to participate how do we engage individuals at our partners and build a connection and a, and a, a kind of a layer of loyalty with those people um, and what we've seen is often that's been focused around salespeople and sales and it's about the point of sale which is what we've been interested in for many years and is still massively important. So that's not just to undermine that or say it's not. But what we wanted to do with our clients is say, okay, let's focus on that point of sale still because we want to drive the sales focus. But also if we look at what we want our partners to do, we want them to engage across our program in other areas. And what we want to show our partners is if they engage in those areas, those are all of the, the different ways in which we can help them grow their business. So those areas predominantly have been training. So how can we help individuals become better at understanding our solutions or understanding the marketplace and how to connect those solutions into those marketplaces and marketing. So how can we help try and generate more leads and try and deliver better kind of messaging into the marketplace and to your point, around the need to influence and the need to deliver and create content that is an ongoing challenge so we took those three areas together of sales marketing and training and said let's see if we can incentivize and motivate people to participate in those areas and the interesting thing is it worked very well we were able to drive that participation but for the first time we were not just looking at the transaction of sales we were looking at non-transactional users so marketing is not something that necessarily has been incentivized before in this way. Um, and training we've seen in the number of programs we've run actually can be incentivized and is, is you know, really is a good way of driving activity if you add something else to it, as long as the activity itself is also useful. So that's really, really important. So we won an award. You're right. Best customer engagement program um, from B2B, which was really, really exciting and, and, and nice. And we had some pretty sensational results with, with our client on that particular piece. So we'd be happy to talk more about that, of course, uh, at CMU. So our table topic, building loyalty across partner ecosystems, is really trying to take what we've learned in our experience in the last few years with some of our clients and, and actually those principles I think will be totally relevant when we look at the the partner ecosystem and, and and how we begin to drive activity across a wider array of, of relationships and behaviors. And that's probably the key thing. And there's lots of challenges with that. And those are all the things no doubt we'll talk about in terms of, of orchestration. Kind of there's a there's an operational level to some of this that um no doubt will be part of the conversation 
that I really hope will have people obviously joining us who have who have made headway in those areas who who will be talk about those and we've got ideas around those and then of course incentivization um and I think that's when we talk about loyalty we can talk about it from a quite a programmatic perspective kind of building a program around you know design to to increase loyalty um and that might be kind of some the the reward club type idea and then there's building loyalty as much as anything about kind of the perception someone has of your business and why I should keep bringing you back into my my business yeah and I think there's some I mean the ecosystem word is as you just talked about it like it's so um all-encompassing let's say um and I think one of the key elements there from, from just what you mentioned is we talk about kind of return on investment on a program like this very much being about the amount of sales that it generates um but probably one of the best ways to generate loyalty with anything like this is encouraging partners to build their own solutions to look at the ways that they're generating money and saying well actually as part of this ecosystem you can build your own solutions on top of our tech that help to you know increase the amount of uh in- increase the acceleration that you have out in the market increase the um the, the ROI that you generate and therefore this program generates as a whole um and i think that's that's quite important for a few diff- few reasons really isn't it because it helps to make the a stronger ecosystem helps to create a a moat doesn't it seb that cannot be replicated um it it does yeah which i think i think it's important right you know we, we, we in today's world where tech is moving so fast that you know that kind of brand loyalty um and an engagement can create a create a, a castle if you will with its own with its own moat of loyalty that can't be replicated um yeah absolutely absolutely we, and we've it, it's funny when we were talking about this because there's some classic examples isn't it but it's almost based on that premise of eventually functionality and features can be replicated or mirrored and maybe there's a you know a nuance about whether it which one's better but uh, a really strong ecosystem of of businesses and partners that are delivering that service into a customer that's much harder to replicate you know if you so that's where the opportunity lies i think for for lots of businesses is you know it, it will become a competitive advantage that maybe hasn't been there hasn't been so obvious in the past but will be very obvious in the future mm-hmm. and i think um, the, and we'll, i think the yeah. best example of that really is salesforce isn't it Seb? from when we were talking about yes. it before like and we know we use Salesforce here at Together. We've used it for five, six, seven years now, probably closer to a decade actually in total. Um, it's a great product, but other CRMs exist out there and other CRMs exist that might be slightly user-friendly or more suited to your particular business. But they create such a strong ecosystem of uh, ISVs, of developers, you know, of, what they, of administrators, yeah. um, that it just, it, you know, becomes easier to find people to service yourselves for instance it becomes easier to find the integrations you're looking for and that makes it even though it may not even be the best product out there anymore um, and i'm sure that will that would enrage a few people in the comments here but the it may not be the best product <laughs> out there anymore it's still a really important product and it makes it it, it it builds a competitive advantage to have all of those supporting people out there around around them and you know a salesforce admin and a salesforce developer isn't necessarily going to be selling day to day they're going to be you know they're, they're there just to you know, help help make it easier um and that creates quite a competitive advantage 
it does and and once it's there it, it's like a it's like a gathering snowball isn't it? it it everything's amplified further you think i mean it, it just again the example of salesforce the the single most frequent integration we've done in our business has been salesforce so you you, you know it becomes almost ubiquitous but it is the fact that it's customer friendly it's easy i think i think to, at one to point, pick it up and find a business to work on it i think hubspot's it, becoming hub, hubspot's becoming really really important and, and uh and mm. you know we, we have even seen dynamics make a lot of ground there but the you know there was one point in our with our clients when i it was close to 90 percent it may be even higher of our clients are running salesforce to some degree um, yeah, that figure's probably still around the seventy to eighty percent now. I haven't I haven't surveyed it recently, um, but I would say in the partner space, HubSpot's becoming kind of fairly ubiquitous. Um, you know, we're yeah. seeing that seeing about a cut through rate of, of about forty percent across the board, um, and that's it. May not sound as high as some of the figures I quoted before, but just in those kind of small businesses that's a, that's a fantastic amount of, of usage so you know they're they're creating their own ecosystem they're doing it really through passion and content which is you know very different from how salesforce has, have created theirs but it's um you know it, it probably some of the best examples to replicate here are in the crm and, and marketing automation type markets yeah yeah no absolutely Absolutely. So, so I think it'll be interesting for us around our our discussions because I, I have a feeling by by focusing around loyalty and ecosystem, we're looking at a point of change that businesses will either have embraced already, as in the the, the vendors that are there, or they'll be working out how to embrace rewarding those different behaviours, kind of at a program level. You know, and that might be the way in which tiering works. Obviously, we saw Microsoft last year changing massively their partner program. And so that's, a, you know, almost a, the other big event last year, I guess, that does drive a lot of change was seeing such, you know, probably the largest partner program in the world completely rewriting what value means. So, you know, we know within our clients and within the room, there'll be lots of businesses who are working out how they're going to make that shift. And then I think thinking about loyalty, it, it operates on several layers. So it's that, you know, about people and how do we reward people who are transacting and not transacting. And then you take that out to the, to the you know, the future of what many of the programs will be. Um, we'll be looking at how do we reward transactional partners and also those non-transacting partners who are massively influencing what what happens with a customer we've talked a lot about the ecosystem here i think we talked a lot about loyalty but how do you bring how do we really bring those two to drive performance like incentivizing them's one thing we you know we come back to this old analogy that the channel are often coin operated um but really how do both of those come together to drive performance Seb? like what's the what's the differences that we're seeing in their behavior now <laughs> that's that's a good question i think you know, when we think about loyalty driving performance, we can look at some of our experience and we can see it from a commercial impact. You know, so again, it is going back to revenue, but it is looking at businesses that are increasing their activity with our client in a quite considerable way. So there's, you know, so that's one of those elements where we think about program performance. It could well be looking at that that unit still revenue is still going to be 
obviously critical in the business. But are you saying are you saying the main thing there is engagement? No, I was thinking of, you were asking about what does performance mean? You know, when we're talking about driving performance. So in that sense, it's like one, you know, good metric of an improvement in partner performance or program performance is the same number of partners are generating much more, like many more sales for us. Yep. So, so, and that's kind of like the one that you can show and go, you know, that is happening. <laughs> like the- when you think about it with the ecosystem, though, it actually, you know, one thing I, I guess, one way of thinking about this, and I'd love to see if there's any vendors that have have managed to ma- map out their orchestration layer. You know, you mentioned before, Seb, a lot of this is about incentivization orchestration. But if you think about it, it's similar to that uh, that phrase of if you, you know, a butterfly flaps its wings in in brazil and it causes a hurricane and chaos theory exactly like chaos theory in the channel right so you're going to have one partner that could let's say on the uh, i'm going to come back to my influencer side of things like one partner could create a how-to video on why your product is the best thing to integrate with salesforce as an example um and all of a sudden your partners on the other side of the world are seeing an an uptick in the amount of business they're doing like i think Mm. i think there is going to be an element of chaos theory in that that orchestration layer of an ecosystem because you're going to you know you will see partners that you know if 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 we incentivize partners in the right way again come back to those two things incentivization orchestration if we incentivize them in the right way to create content and um encourage your message encourage your message you know what i mean like push yeah. them you, you know Drive your message out there. Drive the value proposition of your product. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly. Then, that. then yeah. you would see you're going to see an impact in other parts of your ecosystem that are going to be wildly unexpected. Um, which I'm not even sure how you measure that yet, but it's going to drive performance in some way. So that you know, tapping into to that behavior is going to be uh, tapping into that, that, that those metrics at the orchestration level is going to yeah. be key. It's such a good question. And I think it's it's taken, I think there's a few things that we would probably look at that businesses would look for or our clients would look for about kind of better performance. So you could look at a commercial change. Like, are we getting, are we growing in the market because our partners, you know, partners are, are giving us more share of their wallet. Like they're, they're choosing us more than others, which is a good indication of loyalty and it drives performance. I think there'd probably be the um, customer satisfaction you know, is our technology or our partners de- delivering solutions that are, you know, really making the difference? And that's like we're saying, IT requirements now in lots of different sectors is far more complex than, than it used to be because the opportunities are much greater, what you can do. But the solutions that that the ecosystem delivers, are they really good? And are we seen as being a key part of that? Um, so I think that will be... That will definitely be another element. I think that's I think that's the the point of the discussion, right? Is everyone manages performance in it or measures performance in a different way? Um, and I think you're, you know, you're right. You'll see, you know, the revenue being one key driver, and that's what most businesses will come down to at the end of each quarter. Um, but I think the other things will be impacting brand, impacting uh, customer satisfaction and churn, and, and essentially customer lifecycle management, as we mentioned before. You know, a partner, if a partner's fulfilling demand but frustrating the customers and they churn after a year, then you know, it's, you know, it's not going to be any help either. 
but I, you know, I think there's a there's a point that I've been debating with a few of my clients recently, which is this concept of you know, do partners create or do they fulfill demand? Um, and I think the this this might upset a few people, but I'm going to go with it. Like the the you know, to the traditional channel would be they would definitely fulfill demand. That was the, that was one of their key elements. It was the vendor's job to drive demand of their product, to drive awareness of their product, to go out there and promote the brand. And it was up to the partner to then fulfill it, right? Because the one of the things the vendor couldn't can't do at scale is to you know fulfill the demand, especially with something like Salesforce where. You've got integrations, you've got customizations, you know, they don't have the, the the size to be able to do all the professional services. So they actually rely on partners to be able to do that. Well, I think the ecosystem way, it's a bit more mixed um, because partners are building their own solutions on top of your solution. And therefore, they need to promote their own uh, IP and they need to promote their own product and the benefits of it. And that, that potentially drives demand of your own uh, solution. And we have influencers that do the same. So you know, I think I think it's more complex uh, than that, and and some of the commercial models of of measuring that performance need to start taking. That yeah, no, I think you're right, and I think that that's yeah. I think between us, we'll probably hit the the key points again. Is it comes back to the customer life cycle, um, and the commercial piece is still going to be massively. You know, it's it's never to negate that. Like businesses are run based on cost centers and P and Ls, so. It all has to stack up, but it's kind of, yeah, it's what you measure in terms of the performance of your business kind of in the world. And, um, you know, certainly, again, it will be interesting looking at Salesforce, how they made it very easy for businesses to build business on top of them um, and to create value on their tech. And that, again, is going to be a big part of of the ecosystem play. Yeah, I mean, they always talk about a multiplier here. I think Microsoft do the same. You know, every dollar of yeah. Microsoft product or every dollar of Salesforce product, they want to create some like seven dollars of of partner sales. And so, I think that's you know th- that's important. How how true some of those figures are. That that, that is the metric I've been uh, have seen on on other conversations with with analysts talking about ch- like channel ecosystem is. That's the, how do you measure your ecosystem versus someone else's? And they said that would be one way of kind of quantifying the value of your ecosystem. So for every dollar generated to your business, how many dollars do you generate to your ecosystem? Which is a nice way. That's, that seems like a, fairly rational way it's just how you gather up <laughs> how you can, make you can that. even measure that data yeah I, I think i think one thing we've mentioned a few times here is we we've talked about partner engagement but actually if i kind of mold together some of these trends that are happening um you know we we, we often talk about customer success in the SaaS world you know is it time to be moving away from engagement and be talking more about you know customer success at your bottom layer yeah, that's where your customer is. You want them to be happy and successful and, and uh, not churn and come back year after year. And then above that, we should probably be talking about partner success instead of partner engagement. Like what, what are the tools mm. partners need to be truly successful in this ecosystem? And are we giving them access to the right tools and the right resources um, to be able to build out their own products and understand their place in the market and the ecosystem? So it's, you know, it, is it time to start talking about success instead of engagement? Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a fascinating idea, and it's um, it would shift, again, it shifts the emphasis slightly from that kind of the linear delivery of IT, delivery goes one way and kind of money goes back up the other way, and it's actually, yeah, thinking about partner success is is 
could be a great great way of, th- of thinking about it yeah 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 yeah, yeah no just of organizing just to think about well what are the priorities what is it we're trying to do what is it we're trying to do for our partners and of course the fascinating part for us is our clients are all in, in different models in in different ways you know have different challenges with all of these ideas so you know it's why it's it's why the channel meetup becomes such an important kind of forum for us as well i think i think for me the success also just sounds so much more uh positive friendly user friendly yeah so much more positive um (laughs) than than talking about engagement we talk about partner engagement and we and it's always a uh how do we get partners more engaged why aren't they engaged well if we talk about success well it's it it just feels approachable and happy and um it's it's the challenge, isn't it? When we talk about partner engagement, what we know is that we've got our clients are one of many businesses trying to engage with those partners, um, and and that's that's always the the kind of the challenge in many ways is how do you you know how do you make sure your message is in front? And that's why when we talk about loyalty and that some of the programs we've run, they're designed to be it's not just messaging; it's kind of it's actually ways of interacting and. And, and rewarding activities becomes really critical because it's not just saying it, you're doing it. Um, but yeah, I think the the idea of, you know, of looking at partner success probably is, is, a, is a nice way of just turning that around slightly. So I just, I just want to summarize some of our thoughts that we've had here, Zeb, because we've had a, a fantastic tour of some of the trends from last year and, and some of the topics that we're going to be talking about this year. Like what's... What's the key takeaway for our audience after all this? Well, it, well, it's 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 definitely. We hope we've whetted appetites <laughs> a little bit to come to the channel meetup, and I hope you get an idea of kind of the type of conversation that will be happening by the conversation we've had and what stimulated us, kind of from last year and and what we're looking forward to hearing this year. But I think the yeah exactly right. I think the main takeaway here is. Uh, is, is if you want to continue this conversation, then you need to see us at the channel meetup, and that's on the twenty third of March in uh, Runnymede here in in the UK, uh, just outside of Windsor. Um, so make sure you sign up now because those tickets are going fast, and we do only have a limited capacity in the room. So uh, we, you know, if you're if you're on the fence, make sure you sign up uh, very very soon. It's completely free. Yeah, um, and, and we'd love to see you there. And of course, there is one in Boston in mid June, I believe. Is it mid June, Seb? Yeah, so it's June the fifteenth, which is a which is a Thursday, um, and that's at the Harvard Club in Boston. And then we are September fourteenth at the Villa Ragusa in the Bay Area. So always on a Thursday, twenty third of March in Windsor at Runnymede, fifteenth of June in Boston, fourteenth of September in the Bay Area. And if you go to the channelmeetup.com, you'll see much more about kind of the event format for the day you'll see speakers will be published there and you can also register there and feel free to select together as your your registration guide and, and of course select our when, table topic as well which is building loyalty across partner ecosystems to drive performance we would love to have this conversation with you and continue it on our table yes we would 